Hello, everyone. Welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Sheffy. And I am Donya Williams. Hello, hello, hello. We've missed you guys so very much. We have absolutely missed you guys. So happy to be back. Glad to admit our, you know, the month's rest, our batteries are fully charged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> we, we're back. That's what I can we're say. Back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are back. And so is winter, as it is letting us know. <laughs> How about that? So, um, just real quick question: Can you hear anything in my background? No, nothing. Okay, great. All right, I just wanted to know. So today, guys, we are um live with Deborah Fountain. We're going to talk to you guys about the United States Colors Troops because, as you know, we start our Black History Month a week before Black History Month. We give it at least five weeks, and um. Our goal is to teach something new because we always talk about the same people, the same time, and that is no longer what we want to do. So with that being said, I want to introduce to you Deborah Fountain. Deborah Fountain is um, the lead genealogist with the with the United States Colored Troop um, Monument. She currently serves um on the United on the Natchez U.S. College Troop Monument Committee, which consists of five subcommittees, Deborah serves as the History and Research Subcommittee Chairperson. The committee offers helpful tips for identifying de descendants of the Natchez U.S. Colored Troops. The journey to uncover the many amazing yet untold stories of all of the Natchez USCT and Navy servicemen. They, they do that. First of all, did you guys even know that there were Navy USCT? So welcome, 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 Deborah. How are you today? Oh, I am thrilled to be with you all today. And it, this is going to be such a fantastic hour to spend. And thank you for inviting us to be a part of your Black History Series kickoff. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. We're going to cycle back to that naval thing because I just learned that the other day and that completely blew my mind. I didn't yep. even know that that was even part of the USCT. But now that I know that, it kind of makes sense. But we're going to come back to that one um, okay. because you have an amazing personal connection to the USCT in Natchez. So yes. as we were saying before the show, any of us who discover that we have even an ancestor that fought for the USCT is an amazing discovery. You have nine. Yes. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about the about your the, the nine ancestors who fought? Yes, sure. Thank you for asking. Um, first, I would like to say I I my research journey began over 30 years ago. And um, I was really interested in, um, in advancing my knowledge about my own family history. Fast forward to uh, 2013, did the DNA test with Ancestry and connected with some other uh, cousins that I had not known. And I was able to confirm uh, some of my research from the past. And as part of that revelation, I learned that my that I had my third great grandmother, Mary Thompson, had been born about 1804, and it's she's listed on the census as having been born on ocean, and that <laughs> her father was born in Africa, and that her mother was born in Africa. So and she was actually born on the voyage it, here. Here. It yes, That's it is listed on the on the census. Her birthplace is listed as on ocean. Okay, that's the first wow moment of the show. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so and it is this Mary who her adult children enlisted and adult children and grandchildren listed and served in Natchez in the color troops. So she had three sons, one son-in-law, four grandsons, and one grandson-in-law who all enlisted. And of the nine, eight of them enlisted on the same day. Oh, wow. 
Yes. And so, so you can, we know we know it was a family, truly a family affair and decision for that to happen. And I happen to be the great, great granddaughter of her oldest son uh, who enlisted and he brought along his twin sons with him. So, mm. um, so you get a real sense that as a family, they must have sat down around the around the table and that just had this discussion about what they were going to do. That's that's just amazing. And before I forget, I actually wrote this down. Do you have any idea of what country or what part of Africa Africa Mary came from? Not yet. I'm still we're I'm we're still all of us in the family, we're all digging deep. I mean, trust me. I've, of course, I've, uh, I've been in touch with the um, slavevoyages.org, you know, the database, mm -hmm. the, uh, all those researchers um, haven't been able to <laughs> pinpoint at this time, but the quest continues. So. You know who she could probably talk to? Who's Katrina that? Kiefer. Yes. We'll put because you in touch. She, 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 okay. Yeah, we'll put you in touch with Katrina because Katrina may be somebody that can really help you out with something like that. Okay, thank you so much. I Not have a made problem. a note. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. And you have some people that are um, looking at the comments. You have somebody who is, um, I don't want to miss pronounce your first name so I'm just going to say Miss Hill she is a third great grand niece who was a part of the USCT Navy so you they're they're here they're watching yes. and they want to listen <laughs> well and, and we want to be in contact with you all I would like to get this out uh early on we're so excited for the project and I I will um of course, share the specifics regarding the project, but a big part of our work, especially with the history and research subcommittee, is we are trying to reach as many descendants of those who served in the uh, in the Natchez U.S. Colored Troop Regiments, which was the sixth U.S. Colored Heavy Artillery, the fifty-eighth, seventieth. 71st and some companies and of the 63rd and 64th U.S. Colored Infantry Regiments, as well as Navy servicemen who were born in Natchez uh, as their birthplace. Uh, awesome. So that's quite a number. We have, we know, well over 3,000. Mm. And this, for this project, it is our goal to uh, create uh, and erect a monument, and as part of it, the names of each of these men will be listed. So not only will we be sharing the regimental history and notable uh, story narrative, but we will list every name, and that is something that you don't see often not um there are other u.s colored troop monuments across in various cities and communities across the country but um most of the time you don't find a listing of every name of of, of the soldiers or navy servicemen who served so just so over three thousand people so that that's More a, that's than a more than 3,000. So that, that is a sizable number of men who fought. Yes. And just for a couple of minutes, I'm, I'm really kind of fascinated about what the naval side did. Yes. Um, so there were, as you know, the Navy functions differently than the Army in that when they're on Navy vessels, vessels are traveling you know up and down the rivers and in different locations so in that regard um our out we will be listing those who served on various naval vessels who listed their birthplace as uh natchez and that so is amazing. yes and you might uh make this 
notes. Um, perhaps you were you were probably unaware, but Wilson Brown was born in Natchez, served in the Navy, and he was a Naval Civil War Medal of Honor, one of mm. eight known mm. African American Medal of Honor uh, winners for, from the uh, Naval Service in the Civil War. And he is buried in the Natchez National Cemetery. And his, um, his Medal of Honor status is noted. Who is that Wilson is... Brown? I have to ask. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Wilson Brown uh, served on the USS Hartford and uh, his story, it's a fascinating story that when when that vessel was bombed, he was actually knocked unconscious for uh, a, a few moments and in the area where he was working, um, there were uh, the group of six of them, four of the other men were killed. And uh, when he regained consciousness, he immediately went back uh, to, uh, his, you know, the station and, um, and really held it down. And so for his bravery and his service in that um, desperate time, he was awarded the uh, the Naval um, Civil War Medal of Honor. Wow! And am That's I right in thinking? Am I right in thinking that the actual Army part of it was stationed at Fort McPherson? Yes, Fort McPherson there in Natchez. And let me go ahead and <laughs> put this out there too, in case some people are wondering or are saying to themselves. Since says I've heard that name before, but I didn't think it was in Natchez. Uh, you all will probably be familiar with um, Tyler Perry, uh, his studio. That is also, was also named after <laughs> uh, General McPherson. So just want to clarify so that there's not confusion as to Oh, you're so he named his studio. You're saying that, yeah. So he actually <laughs> named his base. studio after after the base. Well, the base or, or after the general. He purchased the property. Of course, the base itself was. Oh, you, you understand what I'm saying? The, base, the name of the base, and then he, uh, you know, purchased the property. So I just okay. wanted to clarify so people would understand. Fort McPher in the Civil War, Fort McPherson uh, was located in that is located in Natchez, Mississippi. Awesome. So I'm sure that there's going to be interest in the the next bit that I like to talk about. And what is actually involved in creating a project like this, and where ultimately is the memorial going to physically be placed? Okay, so let's start with part one. <laughs> so. Uh, last year, in the spring of the year, um, the mayor uh, created a task force uh, for tourism, ingenuity, and diversity. And one of the first initiatives, as a matter of fact, the first initiative was that there would be a committee established to create and erect a monument to honor the Natchez U.S. Colored troop, uh, Troops. And so at that time, Mr. Robert Purnell uh, was asked to serve as the chairperson and Mr. Carter Burns, who is with the Historic Natchez Foundation, was asked to serve as the uh, vice chair. And Mr. Purnell had chaired previously, uh, Natchez had erected in 2019, a monument, the Proud to Take a Stand Monument, which deals with the parchment ordeal, uh, which occurred during the civil rights movement. And so uh, Mr. Purnell was tapped to chair this 
committee as well. So five uh, subcommittees, as Danya uh, listed earlier, uh, the work, because this is, of course, a, shall I say, monumental task hmm. <laughs> to pursue. So there's plenty good work to go around. So the five subcommittees are, I chair the history and research subcommittee. We also have the monument design subcommittee, the site selection subcommittee, marketing and PR subcommittee, and the finance and fundraising, uh, also uh, referred to as the fundraising advisory committee. So um, each subcommittee uh, is comprised of individuals. You all must know we are all, it is an army of volunteers. So we are unpaid for this task, but everyone is joining in. And I'm sure you can imagine the number of hours that has of work that goes into something like this. So moving on to your part two of the question as to where will the monument be erected? This, the reason that the, that the task has been divided into five subcommittees is so that we can methodically approach the work fairly and that we can gain as much input as possible from the community, from descendants, and those interested in each of the areas. And so for that reason, we have only been established for 10 months. We all know that a project such as this will take at least, I'm sure, a few years uh, to accomplish the task uh, appropriately and methodically. So at this time, there has not been a decision. So if anyone has heard anything uh, to the contrary, that is not true. No site has been um, selected at this time. We are in the process of reviewing proposed sites. And we are basing that on input that we have received from people as to what would be a great site for a monument such as what we are attempting to do. So um, we had a community meeting, uh, the first community meeting in November, on November 10th, the day before Veterans Day. It was held in the convention center there in Natchez. And uh, people received the information regarding the history first of the colored troops, and then what was the progress to date uh, regarding the sites which had been toured. At that point, nine sites had been toured. Those sites were uh, shown on the screens and individuals, of course, had um, additional comments to submit and we have been receiving additional input of other sites to tour. And so we are in that process of reviewing uh, additional sites and then we will have future meetings again with the public so that the public knows they are a part of they are an important part of this process. Well, um, I want to. We're gonna go to a um quick, quick commercial break, but I want sure. you to think about um the the reason how we got to you. Remember um the reefs across America, and sure. I want you to explain actually what happened. Try to be brief about it, but sure. let's take this quick commercial break. Join us on the 13th of February, 2022 at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on E360 TV as we welcome Yayao, Yaya Gordon back to the show to talk about researching Louisiana sugar plantations. 
and um, we're back. So yeah, I wanted to just kind of throw in that because when I came across you guys to try to find out about you, I it was an article I think that was posted on the Genealogy Adventure site that was talking about the USCTE and the Reefs Across America. For those that don't know what the Reefs Across America is, every Christmas there are reefs that are with hundreds of thousands of volunteers mm-hmm. across the United States mm-hmm. that they actually sit on the reefs of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Now, when you read the overall um, article, oh goodness, my phone, my thing is about to die. When you read the overall article, it actually states that, um, that they are not, I'm sorry, that they are uh, not going to, that this was the first time that it had ever been done to the Natchez people. So that's how I came across it. But that should not have come the way that it had. So can you briefly explain what that meant when they said that the um that they were not that they had ne- it had never been done for them before or whatever the case may be. Okay. Thank you. Um okay so the article I believe that you were reading um there was um a picture uh, which included uh, Wilson Brown's headstone and the wreath at his headstone. And um, locally, as you've explained about the Reefs Across America program, for some years, uh, this has, it, I believe, began in the early 1992 and then expanded through the years. And so it's all across the country. So locally, in local areas, there is always a group or individuals or someone who coordinates it for the local um, uh, uh, laying of wreaths on the um, um, headstones. So Home with Heroes Foundation, um, the president is Mr. G. Mark LaFrancis. And uh, for a number of years, I guess, he there their organization, it's a veterans nonprofit organization. They have coordinated the Reefs Across America Lane of Reefs in Natchez. This year, um, so I guess perhaps it should have, could have been more clear. <laughs> they decided to uh, focus uh, and highlight the U.S. colored troops who are buried in the Natchez National Cemetery and um, the unknown uh, soldiers buried in that cemetery. And so that was that particular organization. It was the first time that they highlighted right. <laughs> the 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 colored troops and the unknown soldiers there. But it does not mean we we would never want anyone to think that somehow that Reefs Across America or anyone was not placing wreaths on (laughs) the colored troop uh, headstones in there. So that was not the intention of the statement. But Okay. I just wanted to get that cleared up. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, yes. Because we all definitely appreciate the Reefs Across America. It's a wonderful wonderful annual event that allows um, volunteers of all ages, many children, in yes. fact, uh, are uh, participate. And that's a great educational opportunity yes. for our communities as well to take your, your kids so that they can um, see uh, those who have given their lives and who have served our country. Yes. Now, the next question is one of the reasons why Donnie and I love our audience. We just love you guys. And Lisa Foster has asked a question. I'm sure that many people are thinking: if people would like to help with the research portion of of what you're of the project, yes. what is the best way for them to get in touch? Yes. Thank you for uh, for asking. Uh, I will certainly be happy to hear from you and you can reach out um, specifically um, the um, Descendants of Natchez USCT um, Facebook group 
for the um, descendants and so forth. And I, my email to reach me as the history and research chairperson is descendants of Natchez USCT at gmail.com. And, and I this believe information, if you if you didn't have time to jot it down on the main website, uh, the Natchez USCT monument.com, all of the contact information for each subcommittee chairperson is located on the website. So and you, you said descendants to... of Natchez at I mean descendants of Natchez USCT, USCT at at gmail.com if if you would like to email me as the history and research subcommittee mm -hmm. and those those links will be appearing in chat yes thank you and one of the questions that i have was what has been the level of support for the project at the the matches kind of government level county level and state level Yes. Thank you so much for asking. Just this month, earlier in the month, on January 14th, the Finance Advisory um, Subcommittee kickoff occurred, and we are pleased to, uh, to share with you that there has been a tremendous outpouring of support at it's bipartisan, it's diverse. So it's Democrats, Republicans, black, white, you know, everyone has been so positive. And as a matter of fact, at that kickoff, the keynote speaker was former Governor Bryant, as well as Wanda Evers, the daughter of uh, civil rights, uh, activist Charles Evers and the niece of uh, slain civil rights Megger Evers. So we were thrilled and they have made themselves uh, a, a, a part of the Financial Advisory Committee along with the six former mayors of Natchez as well as three of the six Alder people, alder persons are a part specifically of the Finance Advisory Committee. We have a couple members of the Board of Aldermen from the county. We have two from the Natchez Adams County School District. We have the police chief, the Adams County Sheriff, the fire chief, and just a whole host of others from all levels, from the local, to the state, and we're ecstatic to be able to share that with you. Well, that that is awesome, and that is so good to hear. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I would imagine for your projects, you know, you're doing this in the time of COVID. You're doing this in the time of where a lot of public buildings are in lockdown. We can't get into archives. We can't get into repositories. Um. I can imagine what some of the impacts on, on the projects have been, but can, can you talk about the experience of trying to actually do this during during a pandemic? Yes, thank you for, um, yes, <laughs> sharing that. Um, it has been a, a bit challenging. As I said, we've been organized for 10 months. Um, I, I think we have made outstanding process progress considering that we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, but um, we definitely will need help in trying to garner the funds necessary to do a fantastic uh, monument to honor these colored troops. And so uh, we're hopeful that with all of these individuals and, and uh, other that others will want to join in, you know, because everybody can help in that way. People can help with the research, and we and we're also hoping, besides individual contributions, 
maybe we can gain some of those uh, either federal grants, state grants, foundation and private grants. I'm certainly hoping maybe the Carnegie Mellon Foundation with their monuments project, which it's invitation only, I certainly hope that perhaps they will consider our project some a project that might be worthy of their um, support. Well, I, I wanted to um, ask if there's, you know, what, what was the steps to get started into getting this done? And then we have a couple of questions from our um, group as well. I hope our audience. <laughs> yes, yes. So when we got started um, at, in each of the five subcommittees, we went to work. Each subcommittee uh, understood what their part in this project process would be. So um, those who were interested in helping, each person who said they wanted to volunteer with this full committee and the project, each person was tasked to choose which subcommittee or subcommittees they would most like to spend their time, which area of uh, focus did they want to focus their time uh, to assist. And so we we settled down and got to work. And so um, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to um, share more information with the public. And we want the public to go to the website, um, again, the contact information, the email addresses, are there so that you can share your input directly and know that it is getting to the individuals or the subcommittees that you want to have your input. So please do that. And one of our audience members asked, in terms of like a rough ballpark figure, what is the cost of the project? Great question. <laughs> At this time, again, 10 months into the process, because we have not yet identified the site uh, that, that the monument will be erected yet, we don't know that. We don't yet know uh, who will be uh, the sculptors, uh, you know, selected for uh, sculpting, all of these um, questions, you have to have answers to those to have a, a complete idea as to what the cost would be. Because if perhaps, if the site selected to be the best site, if it is not owned, uh, if it's privately owned or, or of some, or if it's owned, you know, by uh, a, another entity, then the cost to acquire it would factor into the overall cost of the project, you know. But um, we just hope that everyone will be patient as we, because it is so important that we continue this fair and methodical process so that when it's all said and done, everyone will know that uh, input was gathered and and received and your voices were heard. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a, another question from mm -hmm. um, one of our favorite guests, Shelly Murphy. <laughs> she actually said, yes. are they giving you money to help? Meaning is the those influential people that you called out, the mayors, the government, yes. you know, the state government, are they doing that? And I wanted to piggyback off of this and just ask you, is there a way that any of us can actually donate? Great. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. And the answer is yes. Those who have committed uh, uh, publicly, those leaders, yes, they are contributing funds themselves personally in addition 
to working to receive funds. And yes, individuals, once again, if you go to the website, NatchezUSCTMonument.com, there is a donate uh, button there where everyone is able to contribute. And remember, no donation is too small. No donation is too great. So we want them all. Awesome. Well, actually, there was an excellent follow-up question from Kathy Mullen Say. Say, sorry, mispronounced that. Is um, any projected funds coming from the Department of Defense? That's right. And th and this is this is what we're saying. Uh, we are we are on on the move, and we will be reaching out to anybody and everybody. And so let's hope and pray that that we can um, get some of those DOD funds. So Federal, the bottom state, line, foundation, anywhere. Yeah. So the bottom line is, is that because you're just starting, you guys are not even a year into the project. Right. So right. because you're just starting, there are so there's so many ways and avenues that you have to go through and go to. Yes. And you haven't really just been able to do that. So this is all fresh new startup and the fresh yes. new startup is the first thing that everyone has to do if you're looking in your town to do something like this is to get your committee together and yes. to have those um those volunteers this is this is awesome this is yes. really awesome now the historian and donnie and i um we have to ask this question so you've been researching i mean like i said there's over three thousand men whose lives are associated with this history and were there any like eye-popping, jaw-dropping kind of war stories that, that came out of their service through, the, through researching it? Yes, yes. And, um, well, first off, I can share um, a couple, uh, uh, quickly, a couple points. What you probably don't know is that uh, you all have probably heard or at some point seen in recent times there's been some discussions regarding the Emancipation Monument that is located in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. with uh, Abraham Lincoln. And it also depicts Archer Alexander, who had been uh, formerly a slave, and he is depicted in the monument. And there's been discussions as to whether the monument should remain and so forth or be moved to a museum. But there is a connection to the Natchez U.S. colored troops that had never, ever seems to make it into the news. And what that history is, is that that monument, the Emancipation Monument, uh, was Charlotte Scott, which everyone is familiar, if they're familiar with the monument at all, she was a, a, a formerly enslaved woman in Marietta, Ohio. She was the one who came up with the idea the day after Lincoln was assassinated that there should be a monument created to honor Lincoln. A black woman. It was her idea. Her idea was shared um, to make a long story short, the Western Sanitary Commission took up the project. Um, she reached, they, some individuals reached out on her behalf, shared the information with the Western Sanitary Com Commission regarding her idea and proposal for a monument to honor Lincoln. The Western Sanitary Commission published it in the newspaper and the Natchez Colored Troop soldiers, the information was shared with them. They immediately responded to the idea. They supported Charlotte's idea. They gave their funds so that when it was all said and done, in total, $18,000 was raised, and that's what paid in total for the monument. Of mm. the 18000 the vast majority of the funds was contributed from the the soldiers in Natchez. 
But that part of the story has not been shared. Whenever you read the articles, what is said is, well, we know that uh, formerly enslaved men and women contributed the money that paid for the monument as though it was just some random group of people that we don't know who on earth it was. That is simply not true. And it is high time that at least that the Natchez colored troops that they receive the uh, their due in that process as well. Wow. Is there going right. to be a space in and around the monument where their, their names are actually listed? The, um, the yes, USCT in Natchez, is, yes. is there going to be? There will be. Yes, that's and that's the that's why that promise has been made uh, from the beginning. Though we don't know exactly what the design of the monument, the final result will be, but we are going to take input because what we don't want to happen, we know that the colored troops, when they gave their money, they did not have input into the final how the, the Emancipation Monument looks. But today, for this project, we will not make that mistake. Uh, so we will make sure that input is, <laughs> is included. And we will list every name, every name um. of the Natchez Colored Troops uh, and the Navy servicemen. So descendants, you, you will be able, and others, to go to to point to be able to share with your children and your grandchildren and say those were our ancestors see their name so that they and see whatever the the statues will look like or the depictions they will no longer be invisible like ralph ellison talked about invisible man man that's beautiful <laughs> That's mm -hmm. beautiful. So we want to no take another um, commercial break real quick. 30 seconds. We'll be right back. Join us Sunday, February 6th, as we welcome the food griot, Tanya Hopkins, to the show to discuss why African-American food has had such an influence on American culture. See you then. Well, we're back. And Brian, have you seen some of the questions up here that, that are popping up? <laughs> I've seen quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one of them I think we can answer for you. Randy, um, Randy Simone C. Ray, she asked if um if you have any proposed designs that you can see on the website. You haven't gotten to that point yet because again, you guys are 10 months in. Right. right. That is correct. No, yeah. no site decided, no designs yet, because we're just we're early on in the process. But I will say this to Randy and anyone else. Um, please, uh, you can always go online and check out some of the other amazing. I want to give a shout out. We should always I be, I'm a firm believer in positivity and support. We're all in this together. We're, we may be in different locations, but ultimately we all want to see um, uh, hidden history exposed and shared. And so I wanna give a shout out to other uh, colored troop monument projects, which have recently been uh, completed, erected, and completed. Um, and most recently, uh, for example, Boundless. It was in Wilmington, North Carolina at the Cameron Art Museum. I believe that is the most recent uh, USCT monument unveiled. And so um, we salute as a committee, and I, as a, a, a history person, 
I always want to be supportive of others who are also doing this great work all across the country. So um, it's it that was an amazing uh, sculpture, and it features eleven uh, soldiers. Uh, wow! Uh, and it's pretty amazing. So uh, hats off to them and all the other colored troop uh, monuments which have been erected in the past. Shaw Memorial, you know, uh, in Boston, the the monument in Vicksburg. And of course, I can't uh, forget to mention the African-American Civil War Memorial in Washington, Washington D.C., yes. which is for, honors all U.S. colored troops. There are 209,145 names on the on the wall of honor there yeah and it we, goes in a circle yes yes mm -hmm. it's an amazing uh monument on the plaza there and we are pleased to let you know that our list of names is has been provided from the african-american civil war uh museum in dc and as an added bonus Every name on our monument will also list the plaque number that that soldier or uh, name appears on the DC monument. So, hey, wow. Natchez, you will be able when you go to DC, you will know exactly where to find their name. So one of my last questions is going to be, if I was a native of Natchez and I knew that my ancestry in Natchez goes back quite a few generations, what would be the best way for me to try to determine if my ancestor is part of the story, part, not story, part of this history? Yes. So we have on the website, uh, there is a tab labeled Descendants, and you will find on that tab three steps for determining your relationship to the Natchez U.S. Colored Troops. So uh, step one, check your family tree. Start with what you know, begin with yourself and work backwards. We all know that that's always the, the first step. And you can check resources that you have. Uh, you may not have thought about records that you have at home, which may include obituaries, family reunion booklets, or family Bible. Uh, and if you don't have them in your home, check. There's always someone in all of our families. You know that there's an Aunt Susie or someone who is known to collect obituaries or they have been known to be the official family historian. So call them up and ask them if you have um if you have ancestors um uh, from that area um take pictures of or make copies of those family uh bible once you find if you had male ancestors that were living in the general area who would have been of age to have served write their names down and then you can go to the National Park Soldier and Sailors Database. And the link for that site is, is listed on this page that I'm sharing with you with the, in the tips. And so you'll be able to search for their names and find out if they serve. I'm sorry about the ringing in the background, guys. <laughs> you, yeah, oh, I do apologize for that. Well, we're not in the studio, so yeah. <laughs> during COVID, so that that's just going to happen. So one thing that we were also talking about in the, the the virtual green room was one question I've always had. I've got an ancestor. He was in the USCT. He fought out of North Carolina, and then he went. He fought for the Union in Virginia, and then he went back home. And I'm none of the history books I've ever read actually even touched what happened next. So yes. you're coming from a Confederate state. You're yes. fighting for the Union, who were the enemy. Yes. You won. Yes. You go back home as a black man. Yes. 
what happened that were are there were there any histories in the, in terms of matches in terms of what the next steps were or what life was like for these for these men who served yes as as you've mentioned that's what in my family and others that that are a part of our descendants group we've discussed how um that's what we see the men return to their homes um and I want to throw this out for the viewing audience. They weren't all necessarily just from the town of Natchez. So please don't think, oh, well, I had ancestors that lived there, but I didn't have any in Natchez, so I don't need to check. No, the men came and enlisted in Natchez, but they flocked to Natchez from the Natchez district area. So those surrounding counties. So Natchez is located in Adams County and there's Franklin, Jefferson, uh, you know, Claiborne, Wilkerson, Amit, and so forth and so on. So those towns uh, there, those were where the men came from and they returned when, when they finished serving. And for many of us, we were familiar with our ancestors' names, but the story didn't get passed down to us that they had served in the Civil War. So I, I, it seems as though um, I believe that Reconstruction, since it was not everything that most would have thought it would be or things didn't pan out, Times were tough. We know that the KKK uh, in the 1870s was on the scene and in Mississippi especially, uh, you know, there were many lynchings and so forth. So I guess there wasn't a lot of time to celebrate their um, heroism and service in the colored truth. They were probably spending time just trying to stay alive. But I will add that in the pension files, uh, which might be come as quite a surprise, sometimes those former, I've seen affidavits provided from not only former enslavers, but even uh, those who had worked as overseers. And they actually provided an affidavit to assist uh, a pension applicant to to confirm that uh, if it was the widow that yes she was married to the soldier the colored troop soldier during slavery time on such and such plantation they attested to that and I might add interestingly in the Natchez district most often the enslaved people, they had first and last names, and those last names were often different, not the same as their mm. enslaver. So mm. the pension files are just, will break open and break down those brick walls. Right. Well, we have two comments slash questions that are up here that I I don't think they're for you, but I wanted to address them because we try not to do that. Uh, Randy said, is there a World War I colored troop monument of any kind anywhere? In my opinion, by that time, they weren't considered colored troops. So that's it wouldn't true. be, you know, put in that perspective. So anything that's right. doing with World War I would be for all troops, whether they're Black or white and yes. or of what well, no matter what and then another question was um asked what about the men who served as bodyguards for their masters in my opinion and brian you and you guys you could tell me real quick because this show is almost over but in my personal opinion that's for the confederacy and we would have to figure all of that information out and that is yet a whole nother project one that Teresa, you actually might can lead up somewhere. So, am I wrong to say that? That's more of a um, no, you're on the correct response. Okay. Yes, you are correct. Okay. 
Well, this has just been um this has been a, a, a great, great show. And and I'm so glad that we were able to contact you. Originally, um Robert was supposed to have been on the show as well, but he had some family issues. And that's the same for the show originally was supposed to we were supposed to talk to Henrietta Lax's grandson. And I'm so glad that you guys stepped in, but he had some family issues. And I'm very, very glad that you guys were able to step in and really kick off our Black History Month series. I think this was probably one of the best shows that we could do to kick off that series. Thank you for having us. And yes, Mr. Robert Purnell, uh, he sent sent his regrets, but yes, there was a death in the family which prevented him from being with with me here today with you. Right. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, never fail, our guests never fail with those kind of wow moments. No, they don't. <laughs> we, we actually had quite a few of those at the top of the show. And as you guys saw in the, the advertisement, um, Next week's show, we're going to be talking about the history and culture of African-American food with Tanya Hopkins, who I know better as the food griot. And I hope I pronounced that last bit correctly. Um, Again, Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Genealogy Adventures. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. We've missed you so much. And Teresa, Teresa says she's been doing studies on that. So, Teresa, you sound like the person to definitely lead that up and get them covered too, because they all need to be recognized. Um, and as well, mm-hmm. for those who were talking about World War One and the integration, get it done, guys. If you have this information, get it done, because yeah. we, Brian and I, you don't just learn from me and Brian. Brian and I learn from you, and our guests mm-hmm. learn from you as well. So again, Get that stuff done. Start doing it. Start working on it. Let's get their names out there. It's, yes. it's, impo- it's important and it's it's imperative. Mm-hmm. And I just want to quickly touch on something that Shelly Murphy pointed out. <clears throat> I'm hoping we're getting to a stage where projects like this, especially projects that have successfully completed. Shelly worked on the univer- um, universe, sorry, not Library of Virginia, uh, University of Virginia, Charlottesville, Memorial to Enslaved People. Again, large-scale project, lots of planning, many years in the formation to get these kind of projects to share best practice with each other and with, with projects like yours that are up and coming. Um, so hopefully we're going to be seeing... Yeah, <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm it's, sure. It's, it's, it's definitely a much-needed thing. It should mm-hmm. be done all the time, it should, especially mm-hmm. with the climate today. We have to start supporting. Stop talking about supporting and actually start doing it. You know, I don't care if you're Black, White, Native American, Chinese, Japanese, it does not matter to me. The biggest issue that I have overall is people saying, you know, we don't support each other Mm -hmm. and yet you're not supporting. So let's start doing that. You know, mm-hmm. let's start doing that support. Let's start showing it. Stop talking about what other people are not doing and be a um be 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Be I can't get it out my head, but y'all know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Be an example for yes. those and and start doing it. Let's do that. So yes. again, thank you again, um, Deborah, for coming on the show. Thank you, and wish you, you and the, wish you and your organization and and all your all of the all of the people so generously donating their time just the very very best for this project. Right. right. Thank you so much. So don't leave when we go off. Um. So I'm I'm Donya because we're like 15 seconds away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Brian, and we will see you next week Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.